This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? Hello, hola, bonsoir. Welcome all to the latest episode of the Wolves Fancast. It's the preview show for this weekend's upcoming game against Southampton at home, 3pm at Molyneux. And tonight I've got with me, Gully. Evening, guys. Didn't I use trilingual, Dan? Oh, mate, you don't know a lot of things about this character. There's so Good much that you haven't seen. You, have, you've seen, if, you haven't seen he, half of me. If you want to learn more, guys and girls, you've got stories from the pack to go back and listen to, haven't they, I suppose? Or just install Duolingo or Duolipa, whatever you've won. That's got over your head there. There's Duolingo in there, the language app. And if you don't want to learn languages, just download Duolipa and just listen to one of her songs to pass the time. Anyway, post-match host... Wolves founder, Wolves treasurer, Wolves Schiffnall chairman. I've got with me Richard Hobbs. Hello, you know what? Richard. I, I was saying before, this is the first time I've done a preview show, and it's the first time I've not presented a show it, probably this season. And it feels strange. Like, I, I didn't want to jump in where you were talking about Duolingo and Duolipa and explain to Gully who that was because I was like, no. You're a host. I'm here, just, I'm here to enjoy. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here to enjoy the ride today, guys, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you're after out of control. Sort of, after that first minute of just complete nonsense and Gully just giving me a blank look, Adam Whitehead in the co- in the comments section saying Gully chats pop. I mean, this is this is what happens. How, how, how it meant to go. You invite people to come and watch, and then they start trolling you. You know, that's the last time I, I, I let you know about his show, and, Adam. And that's why we keep the, the review on show. On record, yeah, you never know what's going to happen, exactly. Especially on the live, we usually get about one to five comments an episode, (laughs) but it's never been that aggressive from the off. But we love it, (laughs) we're we're loving it. Plenty more where that came from. We've had a big three minutes. Uh, Oh, I can't wait, guys! I cannot wait. Well, let's quickly just um, get back to. Sunday's third round FA Cup win over Sheffield United. Obviously, you did the the post match the other day, which was still out for our listeners to catch on all the lovely crap and average podcast outlets out there. Um, what was your opinions on the win, Gully? I know you were in your usual seat in the Billy Wright, is it? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've debated this haven't we about the fact that Billy Wright's been getting some stick this week, but you know. The whole ground was full of, uh, you know, slightly less vociferous support um, at the weekend, wasn't it? So, can't, Day can't just point. is the phrase I think was being banded about. But we did get that nicely defined by Stu during that episode, I think, which mm. was the fact that if it's an FA Cup game, it doesn't count to call them day trippers. So, we'll uh, we'll let everyone off the hook on that one. Um, but yes, I was I was in situ and. I had a pretty good time, to be fair. I think it was a good game. It was helped by the fact that Sheffield United came and gave it a bit of a go um, and that we we looked shaky, naturally, because of um, the changes to the bat line, um, which you can kind of expect. Um, not sure about Ryan Aitneruri crossing one in for Billy Sharp in the first minute, but um, ultimately, quality showed out and it's nice to see that, you know, we can just win a game by by having better players sometimes, and and that's kind of what it looked like for the most part. How clear was the gulf between Premiership and Championship, Rich? Oh, huge! Like uh, I watch a little bit of Championship football. Well, I watch a bit of Swansea City, um, and you don't quite realise the gulf when you go, when you regularly watch Premier League, it's all of a sudden you drop down a division. And don't get me wrong, Sheffield United are a decent side. Right, they're missing Gibbs White, who I can imagine being 
pretty fundamental in that team when he plays. I can see what he brings to the table for them. You can see that in his stats as well this season. But the difference is, for me, um, you mentioned like the eight Nori, the cardinal sin of the, you know, just passing across your own box blind. If you do that in the Premier League, you concede. Even against a team who's recently relegated, the fact that we got let off scot free on that occasion, that that's a big difference. And you know, I think that was it. McGoldrick had a head like two minutes later or something like that, and it was kind of like those two were a real wake up call. So actually, if we don't book our ideas up quickly, it could be you know it could be a difficult afternoon. And sort of from that missed header, we took control. We obviously got the goal five minutes later, and then. As Goody said, I think class class prevailed, but it was how we played as well. We didn't, you know, we we kept up the intensity throughout most of it, or kind of still kept our finger on it. Whereas before, under different managers, we might have just dropped off after the first or second goal. And it might have been a bit sketchy, but no, enjoyable game um, over the ninety. Very enjoyable, like you said. Um, Sheffield United should have. Should have been at least one nil up. Good, good sort of justification for being two nil up in that sort of opening period. Um, you had a bit of a bet last season, Gully, with Luke over who would get the most goals and assists between Podence and Neto. Obviously, both uh, have had injury troubles in the last sort of 18, 24 months. But just how exciting does Daniel Podence make you at the moment? Oh, I, I thought it was for this season, not, not last season. We, we scratched that one, didn't we? No. I thought it was last season, and obviously no, no, Neto sure, got I'm in. Sure it was this season. Has it been re- renewed? We'll keep you going still, until I mean, until, until you win. Neither, neither player has had a fair crack of the whip. No, you know, exactly. last season Pedence didn't really get a fair crack. This season Neto is not going to get a fair crack. So we'll abstain until next year, maybe, um, and see how we go from there. But yeah, I feel a degree of vindication. Um, caveated by the fact that all of his goals have come in the cup competitions doing a mixy patalina um at the moment so waiting for him to explode into form in a league game but you can see finally having had a run of games finally playing the system that probably suits him a hell of a lot more than the Nuno's did he's he's really showing his quality and he looks like he's having a great time doesn't he whenever he gets the ball and He's just so different to anything I think we've ever had at the club in a different way to say like Adama is. He's so diminutive, so sharp on the ball and just just a lovely player to watch when he's uh, on fire. Honestly, I've said this in other, other episodes. It's like watching me in my prime, honestly. <laughs> what, what that lad has, like you said, being diminutive, people who are like twice the size of him just don't know which way he's going to go. Like the, the the Cruyff turn and then the ball over the top for Ryan Eight Norway was just it was exceptional and the the interplay that he had with Fabio Silva on Sunday, Raúl, he's, he's got a little bit of work to do I think to keep this yeah, place we, because of the way that they are building a, a combination at the moment. We were talking a bit about that on the preview show about how Silva's knocking on the door and considering the form of Podence, ah. Not gonna lie, it does feel a bit of a nineties throwback, doesn't have like almost a big man, little man up front because of how he kind of interweaves with him. But you know, I think for you mentioned about his involvement in the um in Samado's goal. And I kind of said last season, does he go and pick the ball up that deep? Does he try it there? And that comes with confidence, it comes with fitness in games as well. And you know, I, I don't think anyone's doubted since he's come to Wolves Podence that there's a, a quality player there. It's just a case of getting him on the pitch and getting him run of you know four or five games in a row, and we're seeing the benefits now. It's massively frustrating. Obviously, that article came out um, in the Athletic about six to however many months ago about um, Nuno choosing Daniel Podence over Danny Olmo. Was it? You, yeah. you go back to that Sheffield United away game where we lost one nil. And I think he brought um, Den Donker on for Adama when Daniel Podence was on the bench. And you think, why, why did Nuno want Daniel Podence if he if he didn't trust him to to win us games like that that which were there for the taking? It's a strange one, isn't it? I guess 
so many questions to ask about Nuno and his approach now, just based on the fact that Bruno is proving that we can be a more proactive team and we can still be solid at the back and and all those things. You know, he's 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 basically put a spotlight on the approach from probably the Europa League season onwards. Um, so it, it it begs the question. You're right, but at the same time, <sighs> yeah, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? He he was never likely to to kind of you know step his foot on the gas when the game was in the balance. He just isn't. He wasn't that kind of manager. Um, so to then you know question it, you know it's, it's it makes sense at the time because you know what he's like, whether you like it or not. But yeah, it, it, hindsight is a wonderful thing, like you say. I think one um, of the things around um, Podence and probably signing when we did is that my, my thought process around it, you know, about 18 months ago, about two and a half years ago, quite yeah, kind of lost track of the concept of time. Um, but I was kind of seeing he'd play almost behind a front two of Jimenez and Jota. So it would be about getting him up to speed, getting him in a position where say, he can be a first-team player and play in a more progressive system as opposed to having a middle three of Donk, Neves, Moutinho. But then through Jota leaving and through injury, that's never quite happened. He's never been able to like, be a fulcrum in our team um, until kind of now where he starts on the left, but he doesn't really play. He doesn't play as a left winger, does he? He plays quite centrally. He kind of floats around a bit more. Um, but you say, like, when he was on the bench, he was never kind of seen as a, an option in the same way. You know, I think it's different, as Goody said, between a, a defence-orientated manager and an attacking-orientated one. Dean Marsden in the comments, just going back to my reference and comparing myself to Daniel Powlins, he's just called me the Wolverhampton Hazard. I don't know whether it means Eden Hazard or literally a Hazard within the Wolverhampton it could, city. It could, oh, it could be... Yeah, an actual hazard. Hazard. Uh, my friend used to call me the Windsor Avenue Zola, so I'll, I'm going to go with um, my opinion. Is that is that where you used to play? Windsor Playing Fields, Windsor Avenue over on the Pen Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. That's yeah, throwback. I was going to say yeah. just to pull this off a tangent, Gully. Who are you compared to as a footballer? Me. Yeah. Oh God, I'll I'll uh, I'll defer to other people on that. I don't think I can necessarily. Uh... Oh well. At one point in time, as a kid, I used to play sweeper, and I'd go on the odd foray forward. And uh, Beckenbauer used to get thrown about every now and then, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'm trying I'm, I'm, I'm not to laugh. Beckenbauer is a massive uh, bowl statement. So I'll just compare myself to Zyla, so we'll let you go with it. There Rich, what about yourself? Where, where did you clash yourself? What were you describing yourself as back in the day when you were uh, See, stretching those legs? I was say. You wouldn't envision it now, but I used to play centre-half because until I was about 15, I was relatively tall and then I stopped growing and everyone else didn't. So I used Can't to play... Relate. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I've never been... Yeah, so that was difficult. Up until that point, but around that age as well, there was a bit of old Gary Breen shouts because he was playing for Wolves at the time. The other one when I moved a bit further forward, when I realised I, you know, didn't have the height and I was a, much more of a box to box, it was a lot of Dave Edwards. Which could, you know, I could picture you being a Dave Edwards, Rich. Did you did you did come to play a couple of times, didn't you? Before the charity game, yeah, yeah. You had a bit of uh, mobility about you. I was going to say, there's a lot of getting up and down, but whether I actually do anything at either end of the pitch is still up for debate. I think. Hopefully we can do another charity game this summer. Um, there's a few uh, cobwebs that I definitely need to get off my knees before I start preparing for a game like that. Yeah. But let's get back to uh, Saturday's game, three o'clock at home to Southampton. Um, Southampton beat Brentford 4-1 uh, earlier on in the week. Goals coming from Jan Bednarek, Amanda Broger and Shay Adams. They're currently four points behind us in the league. We've played each other nine times in the Premier League. Southampton have won three. Wolves have won four. Southampton have scored 14 and Wolves have scored 12. It's not really a team that we've struggled against mightily in the Premier League. I know we used to have a bit of a... Used to go for a bit of a bad patch with Southampton. I think they were one of them teams where we never really um, had good results against. What's your your feelings on, on Southampton so far this season, Gully? I know you watched the match the other night. 
Yeah, they're, they're a strange team, uh, to be honest. They, they always have been ever since we got promoted. Um, I think, if, I mean, if you speak to most Southampton fans, what they tend to tell you is that they look excellent for 45 minutes and then everything goes to shit for the second 45, generally speaking. Kind of the opposite to how we were under Nuno. And we've seen it in games that we've played against them where we'll go behind. You know, there was a 2-0 down at half-time at St Mary's a couple of seasons ago. And then we turned it round uh, and won 3-2. Um, I think we came from behind last season, didn't we? Um, from 1-0 down to win 2-1 as well. So... They're quite a flaky side, a little bit of a soft underbelly, but at the same time play good football. And on, on Monday, I mean, Brentford weren't at the races at all, but they showed that they have quality. And I mean, players like uh, Broja or Broja or however you pronounce his name, he looks a serious forward. Um, got got the lot, really. Kind of mobile, big striker. Um, you know, makes it really tough, tough night for defenders and um, can finish as well. So... Our boys are going to have a bit of a job on their hands keeping tabs on him and it looks like they're going to shape up with a three at the back as well. So, interested to see how they match up against us. There are only four points behind us in the league, Rich, at the moment. Obviously, we've got a game in hand on them, but as good as the season that we're having, we're still sort of, I don't want to say on a tightrope, but it it's, it's, could still go one way or another, couldn't it? Probably based on how well recruitment goes this month in the January window. Yeah, I think... The table itself is still very compact in that middle. A bit like the championship at the moment. You win three, you're up there. You lose three, you're back down there, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone's really kind of worried or concerned about relegation or anything like that. But, you know, you've got, what, Villa, who are six points behind us in 14th. And, you know, sort of between 8th and 14th is that very much mid-table bracket. We're at the top of it at the moment. Leicester obviously have a a game in hand on us. Um, we've got a couple of games in hand on the likes of Southampton, Brentford and Palace. So it's still kind of a lot to play for. Whether any of those eight teams can really push into the top seven places, not hugely sure. But the difference between, I guess, you know, being at the top and the bottom of that is going to come down to who's got, well, the most firepower. Up front, and that's always been a thing for Southampton the last couple of years. Is that, as Goody said, they play, they've been known for playing hard, quite good football under Hassan Hootel, and we've we've been at the end of it. But they're flaky at the back, and they don't have a really proven goal score at the moment. Um, now Danny Ings has left. Maybe Brozier's going to be that um, going to be that guy. But for me, that's going to be like the main difference. Whereas. Uh, all right, Raul's not at the same level he was a couple of years ago, but we know we've got a proven centre-forward and that will be the difference, you know, in terms of that middle bracket about who's going to, you know, who's going to finish eighth, who's going to finish 14th. And it's, you know, that will be the uh, that will be the main difference for me. Yeah, you mentioned Firepair and Raul's in different form, but against Southampton, he's got four goals in his last six appearances. Let's take a look at his last uh, goal uh, away at St Mary's. It was just a, a lovely moment, wasn't it? Back in back in the summer this year, after that massive breakaway from football, made the goal pretty much by himself via that big Jose Saw lump up field. Hopefully he can go back and score another against Southampton this weekend. What do you think to his chances, Gully? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the best of Raul, that was that that goal. Um, proper solo effort. But I'm a bit a bit torn on, on whether he should be starting at the moment. I think he owes us a performance um, after what happened at Man City and he still hasn't delivered on that um, since then. Um, and I think Fabio Silva at the weekend showed him what he's missing from his game at the moment. And the biggest problem I think he's got is that he isn't making enough runs in behind. Um, everything he does, he keeps coming towards the ball. And you saw with Fabio making just little runs in behind, you know, chasing down defenders when the ball's coming over the top and things like that. Just giving them so many different things to think about. And he was still coming to feet and having it and receiving, turning, going and, and offering all the different aspects of the set of forward that you need. The one time Jimenez ran in behind at the weekend, he caused a problem. You know, the keeper came out, fumbled it, and, and we went and scored the goal. But he does, he does it once or twice a game, literally. 
he needs to be constantly offering that threat. So, you know, players are a little bit unsure about where he's making his movements and things. Whereas think- he's trying he's trying to get too involved in the play all the time and it's it's not working at the moment. Do you think that's a confidence thing? Because obviously the goals aren't quite there. So him dropping deeper to get involved in the play a bit more, it's you know almost a bit of a safety net rather than him trying more difficult moves, essentially to sort of stretch a back line. Possibly. Um, possibly. I think he is very good at it, let's be fair to him. Yeah. You know, receiving the ball to feet. And I do think part of it is Bruno's request as well, you know, especially when Huang was in the team. I think he basically had the remit that, that Huang was going to make those runs in behind and he was able to drop in a la that um, Newcastle game where he created the two goals for him. Mm. But we haven't got that threat from Huang in behind at the moment because we're playing with Pedence and we're probably going to play with maybe Trincao, maybe Adama at the weekend. So that centre-forward is even more important that he actually does go and offer that that threat in behind and force the defence to drop a bit deeper so then the other guys can play in the pockets as well. Do either of you think there's a possibility that his nine-month break after that injury might be catching up on him from a physical point of view? I wouldn't quite describe it as that. I think there's been a... I know his first half of the season has been really difficult because if you look at it at a point of, you know, he's got, what is it, two goals in the league so far? Three. Three. You know, if you look at it on that basis, it's not a high, re- a hugely high return. And I think everyone's kind of was more than willing to give him any benefit of the doubt that first half a dozen, even a dozen games. It's only been since sort of, what, the Christmas time where it's felt like it started to not really click with him. Part of it, I think, is he doesn't necessarily have that pressure behind him um, to, you know, before Carver Silver's hit a bit of form. Actually, you know, he's kind of undroppable because we don't quite have enough quality goal-scoring players in the side. Um so I think there's probably a level of tiredness from just the first half of the season, either physically or mentally. Um, and I think the other half is not necessarily having someone who's really kind of pushing him um, for his place as well at the moment. So hopefully if Silver's, you know, taken his game up a level, which I think in the last kind of game and a bit against Man United and Sheffield United, he's definitely, you know, he's definitely improving. Hopefully that kind of re-energizes Jimenez as well. I I'm going to have to disagree. Sorry, just because I think as a player, up until the point he joined Wolves, Jimenez wasn't a guy with a lot of miles on the clock. Um, up, during his career up to that point, yes, he had a terrible injury, and yes, he had a lot of time out. But it was also a lot of time where otherwise he would have been flogged like a dead horse. You know, ninety minutes every week up top for Nuno with a thankless task. Um, so he's, he's missed out on football in one way, but he's also, you know, his body hasn't been put under that pressure as well. So in, in essence, you're talking about a player who should be quite fresh, should be capable of, you know, putting in those yards. I, I don't look at him and think he looks tired or anything like that. He still looks mobile. He still looks capable. I think he's making bad decisions in certain areas. I think he's trying a bit too hard um, and things aren't coming quite naturally to him at the moment, but I wouldn't put it down to necessarily him being fatigued or anything. Thanks to those who continue to listen and, and tune on our YouTube channel, Wolves Fancast, part of 90 Minute Network. Let's have a look at the likely lineups for the game on Saturday. We just mentioned um, the, the, the possibility of Fabio starting instead of Raul uh, do we see uh, Trinkau coming back in for Adama? Obviously, Jose Sol will be coming back in between the sticks, but um, any, any sort of possible, possible change you guys think uh, Bruno could make on on top of that lineup there? To be honest, I think that's pretty much spot on. I think that's... I, I'll, I'll be prepared to eat my words on, on Saturday, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be the back five he sticks with. Um, whether or not I think Marcel is great in that left centre-half position at the moment. Um, 
and whether his fitness holds up as well, you kind of get the feeling and the general sentiment is that it will be Marcel's position to lose um, kind of going forward. And again, he seems to, uh, Podence, as we've already kind of alluded to, undroppable at the moment. And it's usually Trinkel plays almost alternative get alternate games to Traore at the moment. So, yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd put my money on that lineup as well, to be honest. Um, at, just before, I think actually at half time on, on Sunday, Dion Sanderson went running down the tunnel as if he was going to be brought on. Um, then Donk actually made the, the move it back into the back three and Kilman went over to, to left centre back. That that back five is pretty much until Sash comes back, isn't it, Guller? It is, yeah. And I think based on what we saw at the weekend, it's a bit harsh to judge either Dendonka or Marcel. Um simply because I think for for start with Marcel moving into the back three from where he's been playing. You know, at wing back, you can kind of just operate on your own as an individual. You're isolated. Look after your little patch of grass. And worst case scenario is you get beaten and someone puts a cross in. You know, it's not such a you know detrimental impact on the team when you're playing in a back three. All of a sudden, your awareness has to be so much greater. You've got to you know you're relying on each other in there to to mark space to fill gaps, all that kind of thing. And 45 minutes isn't really enough time to judge it in a proper game. I think within a couple of weeks, you'll find that Marcel will look a lot more comfortable there. Now, by that time, Romain Saïs could be back. You know, Morocco could be out the the AFCON and whatnot. And maybe we haven't suffered too much. But I, I do think Marcel is the better option just because he's more aggressive than Dendonka. Um, Dendonka isn't quite good enough on the front foot making challenges. And that's what we need from our back three at the moment. Is there anyone within that Southampton lineup that brings any fear to you? Obviously, uh, Shay Adams came on in the second half to, to bag a goal in front of uh, Nathan Redmond as they went with a sort of 3 5 2 5 3 2 sort of formation. Honestly, not a huge amount really worries me. Um, you know, on, on paper, that is James Ward's prowess, obviously. Still their, their star man and is a threat on set pieces and things like that. But at the same time, Wolves and set pieces this season have been phenomenal when it comes to defending them. So you could argue that this is their sternest test in terms of a um, deliverer of the ball. As me and Carl Gurley talked about, Brosian might be a interesting um, opponent for us just because not seen a huge amount of him. Um, so far, but he seems like he's got a lot in his locker as well. Um, you know, uh, as I kind of said, it's without kind of sounding too offensive, it's a very mid table Premier League team. There's not a lot that really concerns me on paper. And I think if you kind of compared name to name, I don't think any of them would really get in the Wolves team, which is kind of, I guess, the. You know, that would be my kind of promise in terms of judging them. I don't think, it, even Ward-Prowse, I wouldn't have him over our centre midfielders at the moment. It'd, it'd be a nice option to have that, wouldn't he, Gulley? Yeah, it's a, you know, that set-piece delivery, um, it's invaluable. It's worth probably 10, 12 goals a season to his team, um, whether it's direct free kicks, corners, whatever. Um, so, yeah, you can't really put a price on that to a certain extent, can you? Um, I know Villa tried uh, to, to sign him at one point in the summer, I think. Um, and they, they were uh, chucked out of the out of reception or whatever. So, um, yeah, he's going to be key to them. But, I mean, from the game on Monday, Lianco at the back, he looks like an absolute pest of a centre-half. Honestly, he, he looked, the kind of bloke who'd probably tackle his nan if he was playing against that. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how he combats him and his. And if if I'm being honest, I'd much rather be playing Shea Adams and Nathan Redmond, just because I think we're, we're well suited to marking you know big centre forwards. Whereas Redmond Redmond seems to turn it on against us every time we play them. I, th- I feel I don't know what it is. He's, he, he'll, he'll play other games and be anonymous, and against us, all of a sudden he's, he's causing us trouble. Did you see the uh, tweets from Lianco yesterday on Twitter? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> For those, that's for those the metric did, of a man. Yeah, I mean, 
you can't be a bit of just honest truth. For those who didn't see, there was a sort of a, a youngish lad who tweeted the Southampton centre-back Lianco with a picture of his little brother on crutches saying uh, he, he was going to miss the match. Um, could he send some sort of support? And pretty much Lianco replied in some sort of short-term saying, grow up really, there's worse off people. But it was just out, out cutting. It was brilliant, wasn't it? It was top class. Fair play to the bloke. The best thing was like there were there were still people replying to him afterwards, and he was still going down the same route. He had no sort of remorse. It was just that <laughs> it was just the savageness of it all. What I love about it is we we talked a little bit about it on the review show about you know all the signs asking hi, can I have your shirt and stuff like that, and that's what the lad's aiming for, isn't it? Like that's why he's tweeting him. It's so he can Basically. oh yeah don't yeah and like. Whether um, he is aware of it, he's like, you know what, I'm not having it, or he is just completely oblivious and just shit housing it. You know what, I've got all the respect for him. I, th- I don't think necessarily everybody knows this, but the the player's shirts actually come out of their wages, yeah. Um, so the the costs are actually covered. So essentially, every shirt given away is at the expense of the player. Now, obviously, they're they're, they're earning a hell of a lot of money, so you know barely touches the size, but I'd love it if in the back of Lianco's head, it's like, <laughs> fuck off. I ain't paying for that. Like, you know, giving away a well, shirt for free for some bloke who, who could potentially make the game. You know, I've seen people on crutches at matches before. I don't know about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you really want to go, you'll be there. Won't you? Soft yeah. lad. I am just imagining like the pace lit and you know, it's got like deductions, like national insurance, Whatever a pension, so a lot of a workplace pension won't be just minus fifty pounds shirt. I would be like the pro shirt would be even more than that, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, it would be more like hundred. I remember, it? I remember walking into a club shop once to to get some printing done, and uh, we had to wait behind a queue of about twenty Alfred and Die shirts because he'd bought a load for his family back home in uh, Mali, I think, um, oh. and he was getting loads sent back. <laughs> oh. Let's just go back just a few little seconds. What were you getting printed that day? I was getting uh, shirts printed for my wife's niece and nephew out in America. I was so. hoping you were going to say someone like just a bang average footballer for Wolves then. Oh, really? Like, I, I, you know, I've never been one to have a player's name on my back or anything. Nah, I don't understand it, to be honest. What about you, Rich? Nah, I was always, I was always my name and whatever shirt number I was wearing at the time. Yeah. Um, Dean Marsden made a comment just in the comment section we've, we've how sort of sol- solid we've been defensively so far and with Sykes back in a, in a few weeks if Wolves were to keep another clean sheet this weekend does the priority level lessen to get a bring in a centre back this uh, window yes because Sanderson's returned in terms of a sheer numbers capacity. So I think if you're going on quantity, then yes. I think if you're going on a quality basis, then you've always got to ask the question for me, is like, where can we improve this team? And what is the next, I guess, player or position in line to improve? Now, I think if you look at Oster, if you go off the starting eleven. I think probably the bet next place Wolves are going to need to improve is that forward line. Just on the form of Kilman, uh, Cody and Sate at the moment. I think over the course of the season, or if you're going to look long-term, because what's Sate's contract situation? Is he, out, is he out of... Is it this summer or next? This, this summer. summer. They, 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 got, they had the extension with him last summer, didn't they? So you could be asking the question now of... Look, let's let's get a replacement in now, and you know maybe there's hope that Mosquera is going to be someone who can step in next year. If he can sort his injuries out, or Bolly again can sort his fitness out, which has you know ravaged him for the last twelve months. So yes, to a degree it has, but I'm kind of always of the view the club should always still be looking looking to improve, considering you know how I think interesting the next couple of transfer windows are, are going to be. You just mentioned Willie Bolly there, Rich. What do you make to the reports earlier this week, Gully, that says Wolves would be 
open to accepting offers for the Ivorian? It's quite sad, I think, actually. Like, Do you think there's any truth know, in it? I mean, he's he's been suffering from injuries for quite a bit, but... We don't know what to believe with Bolly at the moment, just because everything seems so hush-hush around his health and fitness. So it could be true. It might not. You know, he, he, he could be suffering badly with long COVID. He might not be. It could be muscle injuries. It might. We, nobody actually has a clear picture on the situation with him. So I really couldn't couldn't put a put a finger on that either way. But for given what the guy was like as a player, um, given you know his performance levels over the last few seasons, barring probably last season, back end of last season. It's quite sad that he would end up kind of walking out the back door, you know, with without any kind of fanfare. You know, having not played a minute of Premier League football this year, it's just, it's 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 quite a sad way to go. Who, you know, for a guy who's probably been our best centre half since I'd say Jordan and Lescott was at the club. You know, he's yeah. been an unbelievable player for us. So, um, yeah, it'd be a shame to see him go in that way. What about you, Rich? What do you think? Uh, what what sort of fee should Wolves be expecting for a player like Willy Bolly based on his current physical condition? Well, that, that, that's my sticking point when I saw the rumours. Is I, I'd struggle to see a club looking to buy him when he's barely played for six months, and even looking at the back in the last season, it's a bit of a gamble for a team to make. Um, I don't know at the moment anyway because it is a lot of it's a lot of hearsay isn't it whether you know the move would be abroad or still at home um so it's a really difficult one to actually put a price on it personally uh, I think if you got a fit if if he was fit and was just on the bench but wasn't getting games it would probably be around I guess sort of 12 to 15 million in my head but with the injury trouble, it's really hard to gauge it because Nankar quite knows when he's going to be fit enough to play top-flight football, whether it's in in England or you know in Spain or somewhere like that. Want to put you both on the spot and uh, let's have a little bet, shall we? Pedro Neto, Johnny Otto. Who's back first? At the two of them. At the two of them, yeah. Who's who appears first on the pitch or on the bench or what? Uh, just a match day squad. Match day oh, squad. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say Johnny. Johnny was doing uh, running on the grass in middle of November. That's what I yeah, I'd probably say John. Yeah. They released pictures of Pedro Neto running on the grass like a week or so ago. But who's coming back squad first? He's coming back he's coming back from a more significant injury, isn't he, Johnny? So there's probably a bit more rehab work involved. Um but I would still back Johnny to come back just because he's an absolute machine. Yeah, I'd personally go Johnny. Because I think around Neto as well, I think they are taking it very gently as well because of the setback he had, which has basically delayed it nearly six months. They're, they're wanting to take it very slowly. And yeah, he's back running on grass, but that doesn't mean they're doing ball work yet. That doesn't mean they're doing team exercises yet. So it's still... Okay, yeah. And both of them probably need to play a level of under 23 games or behind closed door friendlies as well because... That was arguably what Johnny maybe missed out on last year in terms of getting his match fitness back up. If he kind of ended up injuring, I know it was the other one, but you know, three games back. We, we, I think you mentioned it earlier about talking about Nuno in hindsight, Gully, and then mentioning what you mentioned there, Rich, about Johnny being maybe rushed back and not being given under twenty-three games. He made some really bad decisions, didn't he? Back me up here. No, no. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, he's made some really bad decisions, hasn't he? His his sort of desire for players not to play under twenty threes was pretty. It was strange, wasn't it? It was strange. Um, I think the only ones I can recall was I think Fabio might have had a couple of games, and mm. Jordao had a couple of games as well, didn't he? Um, while Nuno was manager, and yeah, I, I if I'm a professional footballer, I don't want to be put out in a Premier League game cold. 
you know, you're only setting yourself up for a disaster then, aren't you? Know, it's, you know, and then you're going to look like a mug at the end of the day. And then your manager will come back at you and kind of give you shit for a bad performance when you know that you're not quite ready. Um, even if you try and convince yourself that you are. Yeah, I mean, when, especially when you consider the first like couple of years under Nuno, how really strong they were on keeping players fit. That that be my kind of thing. Is actually the first couple of years, they, the the injury record was phenomenal. But then it kind of all the wheels kind of fell off the the bus on it, um, and you say you only have to then look at that third Premier League season under Nuno, how many players were just picking up niggling injuries, and you say the Johnny one's a great example. And personally, as kind of goodie said at the end of the day, it's got to be about the safety and welfare of those players. And you say if they end up getting crocs again because they got rushed back or something like that, then, say, they're the ones who pay the price. Look, we're, we're talking about Johnny, uh, sorry, about Willy Bolly, who's, you know, best defender in about 15 years at the club. And all of a sudden, because we probably n- potentially haven't managed his injuries and his fitness correctly in the last 12 months, you know, we're sticking him on the garbage bin at this point when that's probably not how it should be should be done yeah hopefully we can get johnny and uh pedro neto back fully fit because it's been a massive blow losing him for the majority of the season um stress that point Go on, yeah um <laughs> let's get back to the saturday's game what's your score predictions based on our likely lineups i'll come to you first rich i'm going to go for two one wolves two one wolves and then you Gully. 1-0 Wolves. 1-0 to the Wanderers. That's the, the way of it, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'm going to join you, Gully. I think I'm going to go with a Wolves 1-0. Um, Southampton are a bit of an awkward side, but I think like you mentioned earlier, Rich, I think we've just got a little bit better firepower than Southampton at the moment. Hopefully we can keep the pressure on Man United. We'll have ourselves a little quick commercial break and then we'll have a little quiz, shall we? Hi everyone, Matt from Wolves Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com Media.com. They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Minute Network. Uh, Nat Hughes in the comments section agrees with me and Gully. The smart bet is 1 0. And then we've got a quick comment from Ronald Greer, which just says vor.ong. Anyone can, can tell me what that means? Uh, we'll send you out a uh, Waterloo Road beer mat. The tweet that we put out earlier on our socials, um, which I'll get hopefully get your opinions on, is who was the last Wolves transfer that got your heart racing with excitement? Hmm. It's got to be got to be Neves for me. Yeah, yeah. That was just like, where the fuck did this come from? So yeah. Well, I was say mine's same season. But everyone likes a last-minute transfer window. I'd, I was going to say everyone. I don't. I like it all done nice and early. You're not into the last-minute rush. But the Benikafobi coming back return move had everything you needed and a level of drama. It was last minute. It's a player returning. It was someone who did fantastic in his first loan spell. Needed to come back. So, camped outside the training room training exactly. grounds <laughs> you know i think i think it kind of i think from memory um listen back on it i think there was an initial bid he got halfway they then didn't it wasn't quite sure then he got his second call and like it was all kind of really last minute so from a drama point of view that one i don't think we've really had one the last couple of years with that level of um you know drama around it uh, Jean Martino. Just because of 
for name um, recognition, just being like anyone who has played football manager or frankly has listened to anything around European football in the last 15 years has heard of this guy. That was and a moment just, in our club, wasn't it? Where yeah. you thought, bloody hell, we're, we're going somewhere here. Jamatini, I was before Rui as well, wasn't he? he? Possibly, yeah. Because Rui was a bit of a saga over that yeah. summer because of the sporting situation oh, yeah. and being released from his contract. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Jamatini, I was mine because it was just a, it was a woo moment for me. Yeah. But like going back to the sort of 90s when Michael Jilk signed. This was like going back. This is going back in the nineties. Michael Jilkshire was like a good left winger. I loved. I loved left wingers. But he was on. It was back in the day where the, the transfer deadline ended at five pm on the midweek, and there was a picture with Michael Jilks in the Express and Star the next day, and it was like five to five, and he was holding a big clock <laughs> with, with, with the uh, with the clock arm at five to five, and I thought, Jesus, wow, the course. excitement of a literally a last minute deal. Should we um, have ourselves a little quiz round because we haven't had one for a, quite a while? Yeah, go on then. So, quiz round sponsored by our main sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Um, on ten years ago today, Wolves drew one all away at Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, look at that! That is a painful one, even with the lighter balls nowadays. You've been frimpong. Don't know if any of you remember that moment, <laughs> but it was just bonkers. That was the game where Wolves drew one all away at Tottenham. Who scored for Wolves that day? I, I'm going to assume because he scored most of our goals that season, it was Stephen Fletcher. Yeah, I had, I had Fletcher or Doyle, so just to kind of keep things interesting, I'll go Doyle. The correct answer was Stephen Fletcher. And I was hoping that someone would go with Doyle because I think he, he scored the one off Milias's free kick the one year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he scored in the first year back, didn't That he? was when Emmanuel Frimpong was the best player in the world for, for a little short spell. For four games for Wolves, he was going yeah. to be the one that took us to the next level. That that Villa home game where we lost 3-2. He was a unreal. The first half yeah. performance is one of the best I've seen in the Wolves shirt. And then Michael Cartley bagged that goal in the first half and I literally became a bit emotional. For, for that guy coming back from injury and scoring in the Premier League and look how he treated us. We'd have, we'd have stayed up that season if Brimpong had been fit, I feel. But, yeah. We would have stayed up in the Championship if Ebanks Blake would have had his legs broken at Blues, but well, these are the sliding doors moments that we, we live for as football fans. What was the number one in the UK charts the day Ryan Ait Nori was born? 20 so years ago. 20. 2001, he was born, which just makes me feel really stupidly old. 2001. Oh, my God. 2001. I'm going to go with, I'll, I'll give you sort of a, a clue. It, it was a song that I think most people liked and most people loved. It's not a great clue, but. Not really. I mean, it's, it's pretty it's, much the chorus. Oh my god, what the hell? What the hell could this be? It was a sort of UK garage anthem, so I'm not looking for your correct answer on this, Rich. No, this is. That was it. Artful Dodger, was it? Um... it, it they're, they're similar to Artful Dodger. No. There, there was two of them. No idea. I, I honestly I couldn't. No one in the. Uh comment section is giving us the correct answer apart from Dean Marsden who's just decided to say Dench. <laughs> um, the correct answer was DJ Luck and MC Neat with Do You Really Like It? Ah, uh, is it? Is it oh, do you like it? Do you love it, it? it? We're loving it, loving oh. it, loving it. The next round oh, is a guess who round. So there's a, a 15 second video with three Wolves players with their heads hidden. At the end of the 15 seconds, I'm going to come to you and I want you to tell me who the three players are. Make sense? Yeah. First round is this. So, who's the player chasing down David Dunn? Who's the midfielder up against some random bloke? And who's this wolf signing? Oh, my God. Do you want me to go through it again? I think so. 
Yeah, Richie. I think I've got. The, I think I've got the first two. Okay, let's go again. The first one: Who's this defender chasing down David Dunn? Who's the midfielder going up against? I think that's Notts County. And who's this wall signing back in the late nineties? Okay, so I think your first one. I think it. it I can't remember his first name, uh, but Moyakolo. Yeah, I had Moyakolo. Yeah. Okay, so who are the other two? The middle one, one, I think, was Milias. I think Milias. Yeah. Yeah. The third one. Um, this is. A... I'm just going to throw out there. Looking at the badge on the stadium, you're talking early nineties, I reckon. No, yeah. it's late nineties. I was surprised by that. Yeah, because he that came, badge. It, I don't recall that badge. Of, I think no. he might have been. A, I think he might have been a, a Colin Lee signing. No. Okay. What? So what? Like ninety eight, ninety nine. I don't yeah. recall that that badge being on the stadium. Like, yeah. In my in like my memory, it, it doesn't add up, does it? No. no. Honestly, it's it's not an, it's not a Mandela effect. It's this is a, a, a Colin <laughs> Lee signing. Is, this, is the Statue of Liberty actually there? Um, no. <laughs> shit. Um, uh, Colin Lee. I'm gonna say Darren Baisley. It's not far off. Um, no. Rich. <sighs> Uh, let's go for Steve Corica. Okay, so That's the first early. one was correct with Stephen Moyakolo. Yes. I'm going to show you pictures two and three now with the heads revealed. Number two is going to number two is just going to kick you. Is it going to Jamie Mahara? I mean, when was you see, it, I don't know, I don't know how you saw um, Nenad Milia. So the first one was Stephen Moyakolo. Yeah. Okay. The second yeah. one. Was David Davis? David, okay. And the third <laughs> okay. one was Andy Sinton. Andy Sinton, oh. bloody hell! England international. That badge behind him is bonkers, ain't it? I know. Honestly, oh, it looks that... so old. It looks yeah. so old. Right, as I mentioned uh, earlier on in the show, Raúl Jiménez has uh, got four goals in his last six appearances uh, against Southampton. On our Instagram currently, we're doing a giveaway with the uh, channel, the football cases. You can win a, uh, a football phone case of your choice if Jimenez scores. All you have to do is like the uh, post on Instagram and follow Wolves uh, Fancast and the football cases. And that's pretty much it for this episode, ladies and gents, and everyone in between. Hopefully, we'll see you uh, after the, the Southampton game with a post-match win Uh do you want to say goodbye, guys? So no, we've been, we've been polite now. I can see we're just being. Who <laughs> would be a wolf, man? Eh? I'm going for. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flashing the shot. 